The following podcast is part of the Underdog Sports Podcast Network. For advertising information or to find more great podcasts, visit us at www.theunderdogsports.com and follow us on Twitter at RealTheUnderdog. You're listening to the Underdog Sports NBA Show. Cross green. Cross. With host Tyler Laurie and Zandrick Ellison. <laughs> Brought to you by Underdog Sports. Tune in every week as Tyler and Zan recap the biggest storylines and news in the NBA. Welcome to episode 176 of the Underdog Sports NBA show. I am Tyler Laurie and I'm joined as always by my co-host out in LA, Zandrick Ellison. Zan, how are you today? Doing well. 176. That's quite an achievement. Yeah, it's actually, it's more, I think. We have a couple of random, like, bonus episodes. Like, we, we've got to be close to 200 in total. 200 in total. That's twice Zion Williamson has played 85 games. So we're, we're like, doubling him up at this point. Yeah, but we're half his weight. So it's it evens out. Speak for yourself. I keep going. <laughs> so I figured what we could do, the, you know, the NBA regular season, a lot of people think it's a slog. And uh, Trey Young actually made a comment about that this past week, how random regular season games are a lot harder to get up for than the you know conference finals, if you will. So there are a couple teams I thought we could sort of highlight based on that. And uh, I, I kind of want to start with the good. So the Clippers are on a five game winning streak and so are the Warriors. The Warriors are Actually, I think are the one seed in the West right now. I believe they're nine and one. They've had a pretty easy schedule, but I thought we could talk about those two teams. And then on the flip side, the Hawks are on a five-game losing streak. And then the Hornets, who were a nice surprise to start the season, are also on a five-game losing streak. And I thought we could kind of talk about two good teams and two bad teams. And then if you wanted, if we had time, you could talk about Chet Holmgren. Yeah, and- no, because the college, we we tend to talk about that first tip off in, in college basketball, maybe just highlight the top couple prospects, because you know, tend to know more than most at this stage. Um, but yeah, the Warriors are interesting because um they have the number one record in SRS, nine and one. And you think, okay, well, Steph Curry must be, you know, lights out. And and he's been playing really well. He's one of the MVP favorites on both sportsbook.com, but he's only shooting 39% from three. So it's not like it's an unsustainable stretch here. Yeah, he did just have 50 and 10 the other the other night. So it's not like he's he's playing, you know, poorly by any means. But I don't think anyone really saw the Warriors as like a title contender right away. Like, I don't think that, that we would have expected to start the season that they'd be this good. And that's without Clay Thompson. And and are they going to be sustainable, you know, with him? And, and like, are, are, is their result going to be sustainable when he comes back? Because you'd assume they'd get better. But one of the things about them that's been such a big positive has been their depth, aside from Steph, who's obviously tremendous. And he is an MVP favorite. I don't know that he would be the MVP if we ended the season after 10 games, but he'd be up there. But they are getting contributions from like really good depth pieces that they've sure. developed pretty much with the, I mean, well, you can and talk also, about I, mean, I think, but. well, yeah, no, well, I think it's notable in the sense that last year, you know, they, maybe they thought it was a lost season or, you know, middling season. So they're going to play, you know, a lot of J- James Weissman and the young guys and develop and, and they're really not doing that as much. Like the, their bench players are like Bielitsa and Gary Payton, the second who we think of as a young player, but he's, he's not, he's like 29 or something. Um, and so I think they're like in win now mode, even without Clay Thompson. They're like, let's just rack up as many wins as we can, and they're doing it. Although I will, I will dwell a little bit on Gary Payton the second because you know he's somebody who's always been like just the defender, fringe guy, came in as like an old rookie, 
um, somebody that I highlighted on 99 cent store, by the way, I know you think that's not legit, but he's just like so good defensively that he would be a role. He would be a good one for 99 cent. You don't get credit for guys who sign $10 million deals. Like Gary Payton would be a perfect candidate for this. And then they have another, he was on it. They actually, they actually have another one of your 99 cent store highlights, which is Damian Lee, who's averaging 12 points a game and and 25 minutes and playing like a very big role as a main reserve. Jordan Poole, who I did not highlight, but it's been a surprise since last season. Um, But can I give you some stats on, on Gary Payton the second? The mitten, yes. as some people call him. Um, <laughs> the mid, that is his nickname, right? That was his nickname. Yeah, that is like State a formal nickname. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because uh, he doesn't have to do much, you know, and he's athletic enough to like convert around the rim. He is shooting 70, his true shooting percentage, 78%. And that's just because, you know, he doesn't do much, but defensive box plus minus plus five best on the team. He is legitimately one of the better perimeter guards. Um, I don't know. Is is he the kind of guy that he can actually play heavy minutes with Steph Curry because he they kind of complement each other so well, or do you think this is just like a playoff? I mean, regular season, long slog kind of play. Well, he's still not playing like a ton of minutes. He's been playing more of late, and I I think that his offense makes him somewhat interesting if he is going to be this kind of player. Because if you remember when he got drafted, and, and he had a lot of draft buzz, if I remember at the time, I don't actually. He was a second round pick, right? Yeah, well, because he, I think he, he had transferred at one point. And well, he was he a junior. Yeah, he was a junior college transfer. Yeah, and he played. Yeah. He, he put up stats at Oregon State, but he was like twenty two or twenty three at the time. Right. So he he went late in the draft if but at he, all. I think he might have gone undrafted actually. They're sort of using him in in this. He, you know, the way they're using it reminds me a little bit of how like the Bucks used Drew Holiday, or maybe how New Orleans kind of like used Drew Holiday to make him a true superstar, which is that like. Yes, he's technically a point guard, but he's not like his best skills aren't scoring. His best skills aren't distributing, but he is able to defend. You know, I, I think Gary Payton Jr. can credibly defend three positions just like uh, Drew Holiday can because he is a six three. He's a little bit bigger. And like, I, I think that they're kind of using him next to Steph Curry to be like, all right, we're going to guard the best perimeter, def- the best perimeter offensive player on the other team with, with Gary Payton as part of our second units. Cause you can also do that with, you know, Jordan Poole, not a good defender. Damian Lee is a better defender, but, but not great. And so I, I think Jordan Poole's, or I think uh, Gary Payton's going to carve out a niche on this team if he can continue to defend because. And that's kind of been where- very disruptive since he, he joined Golden State last year for 10 games. In his time at Golden State, he's averaging over four steals per 36 minutes, yeah. over eight rebounds per 36 minutes. So he's just like being very active. Yeah, it's they're using him kind of as a wing, which is really interesting because that's not, you know, it, it's very forward thinking, I think, in a lot of ways, because this is a guy where you're like, oh, he's a wing, but he can't really shoot. Well, if he just takes open shots and we now know that you can have kind of some smaller guys guard bigger wings because they don't really punish you. You know, he can't guard Kevin Durant. It's going to be hard for him to like contest shots. But like, why can't he guard, you know, the Donovan Mitchells of the world or the Russell Westbrooks of the world, you know, in, in terms of like the bigger scoring guards in the West, like, especially when you need a blow, because we know how much well, I, I think for years, Dan, one of the things with Steph Curry has been like, you have to make him work on the defensive end. That's how you take him out of his offensive game. And so if the Warriors now have another guy that they can throw at good offensive players to kind of protect Curry because of the scoring load that he does have to take on this team, I, I think like we underestimated how deep they might be. We talked about, you know, Otto Porter. We talked about Bielitsa, who's been really good for them. But, I mean, they, they they deserve credit for developing, like, finding Damian Lee, right? Developing him. Drafting Jordan Poole, who stunk as a rookie, and developing him. 
And now it does look like Gary Payton is part of their plans for the future. And he was a guy that they got literally for nothing. Who's been part of their system now for a year and a half. And if they can actually develop um, their young potential stars, I mean, you know, Wiseman, Kuminga, Moody, those are like all three lottery picks, like high, you know, and so maybe they're two or three years away, but. What are they doing? Do you think like they're nine and one? I don't think they expect to be nine and one, but their schedule has been not tough. I would say they they do have some, some tougher games coming up here in the future, but like we haven't seen Wiseman and then Kaminga and Moses Moody are are playing, you know, basically no minutes a game, right? They're, they're playing. I think Kaminga's playing like five minutes a game and Moody's playing seven. And and other words have blown a lot of teams out. So, so don't get me wrong in that regard. It's, it's not like they haven't had an opportunity, but these guys are clearly not rotation players in the NBA right now. And it does look like, you know, spotting yourself a nine and one start, like you're going to be in the playoff mix pretty much no matter what, right? Like that's the type of start where, you know, I, I think if they started like six and three, you could be like, all right, well, they could lose a million games, right? But like well, starting nine and one, it feels like, you know, they're going to be firmly in the mix for a higher seed in the West. And like, what do you do now with these three rookies? Uh, yeah. These three young guys. I well, say. and their trade values just gets low. You know, it's like as soon as you buy a new car and you roll it off the lot, like the value goes down. And, and that's, the, that's true you, with lottery picks. Too. Do you think Wiseman's value is like much lower than it was? Like, I, I understand what you're saying. Like, the, the pick itself always seems more valuable, right? Like you'd rather have the two pick than you would James Wiseman right. prior to drafting him, right? But I, I still think that like Wiseman and Kaminga, I don't know what Moody's value is just because I think Moody's ceiling is lower, even though he's pretty good. I, I think he could end up helping the Warriors more, especially what we've seen them do with wing players of late. But like Kaminga and Wiseman, I, I don't know that their trade value is like non-existent no i don't think it's non-existent but i think it's you know down from what exactly what you said and and that's always like my argument against um you know just acquiring assets if you don't have a plan for those assets because they're depreciating and and that's what i criticize like sam hinkey it's like oh we'll just take julio local four and play him next to norland and well it's like he was the whatever the two pick three pick number two overall yeah it's like hey you're not that's his high point you know and so that was his high value as the number one as the number two pick and then you're gonna play him clunkily and then he's just gonna go down and down that's not an asset that's not how you invest it's it's funny to talk about the warriors in that regard because you know for years they they get they signed kevin durant right and they had like the best team probably in nba history for for three years and i think everyone was like oh we hate the warriors but if you actually like look at the warriors decisions over the last 10 years excluding how lucky they got with the Steph Curry thing, because I've talked about this before, like the Bucks could have just said like, we'll take Steph Curry instead of Monta Ellis. And then the Warriors don't exist. But if you exclude that, like, and you look at the way they've used, they've, they've drafted in the past and the, the way they've used the G league and the way that they've, you know, found guys, like they do deserve just tons and tons of credit. Like they don't deserve a ton of credit for just signing Kevin Durant and, and putting him with guys. But if you look at like, you know, they got away from Mark Jackson, like they drafted Draymond green, like, they, they, they've they drafted clay thompson 11th right like i think the warriors you know from a- yeah for sure but my question you know you know he kind of reminds me of steph curry at this point it's such a weird comparison because their play styles are so different but i'm um, excited for this i'm excited well because i you know we grew up our family we, we went to you know georgetown big alan iverson fan and he had a very different style of offense you know just like crash and chuck but it they thought it was efficient enough probably wasn't but they thought it was efficient enough where it's like you'll handle the offense we'll surround you with defenders and yeah. they actually had a top five defense as a result and so you're talking about you're talking about on the sixers or George on the Town? sixers on the, the sixers. sixers yeah yeah and steph is so good at offense 
and he can be a one-man band that you can play, you know, Kevon Looney. You could play Gary Payton with him and then just surround him with like, or even Draymond, like it helps him so much. And right now they have the number one defense, even though you wouldn't consider Steph Curry a defensive player. The fact that he's so good at offense helps your defense because you can surround him with defense. And you wouldn't expect like with Jordan Poole and like with Damian Lee, like you wouldn't expect those guys. I I will say this right now because we do talk about gambling on the show a lot. I would bet as much money as I possibly could get on Bovada that they do not finish with a top five defense this year. Just because like, I just don't think that their team holds up like defensively, unless, unless you're telling me that like Otto Porter is going to stay healthy for the entire season. And like Andre or Steph Curry is going to stay healthy. I mean, he, they're so dependent on him right now. Yeah. And I, and I, I do think like, I, I don't know. Like I said, I don't think Steph would be like the MVP favorite as of today. I definitely think, I think he is though. Let me look it up. Yeah. But, like, I think KD will end up with a lot of votes by the end of the year. I think that Jokic will end up with a lot of votes, despite probably should talk about him and Marquise Morris. But, and then, I, you know, I think, like, Giannis is going to end up with a lot of votes just because I think people realize, like, oh, my God, Giannis really is, like, probably the best player in the NBA. But the other guy that I think is going to end up with a lot of votes, I think, is going to be Paul George. And it's it's a reasonable segue, I think, into the other team on a five-game winning streak, which is the Clippers. And they're kind of doing it the same way, Zan, where – you know, they, they don't necessarily have this dominant offensive force like Steph Curry. And other than KD, I don't know that there's an argument for a better offensive player in the NBA right now than Steph. But the Clippers are, I think, like middle of the road in offense. But I think they're a top three defense. I, I haven't looked as of this morning, so forgive me for the bad radio. But I think that like Paul George is also a guy that Bovada is going to have up there for MVP favor when they redo their rankings, because I, I just right. think he's so important to how the Clippers want to win. And I think there were a lot of people that were just like, oh, Kawhi's not part of the mix anymore. Like, I think the Clippers are going to struggle this year. And this is a team of guys that, you know, they play medium ball, they're very switchy. And then they kind of just let Paul George, like, run the show on both sides of the ball. And it's it's really impressive, Zan. Like, he, he's been fantastic to start the year. Yes. And they, you're right that they, after, like, the 50-point game, they took this off the board in Bovada. But on other places, when it comes back, it might mirror other places which have... MVP odds. Steph Curry is actually the betting favorite. You know, he's famous as well. Plus 350, Giannis plus 550, Durant plus 550, Luca, who was the preseason favorite, plus 600. And then the guy you're talking about, Paul George, is still not getting the MVP buzz, plus 33 to 1. Um, I think he's more of a candidate for like first team all NBA. Even that might be tough just because it's so stacked, but I, I think he could get there. You know, he finished third in MVP on. Oklahoma City that one year and with his two-way play and it feels like a very similar year what do you think he is right now on he has actually not listed on basketball reference MVP tracker which I think is surprising because I'm pretty sure Paul George is like third in the NBA in scoring right now yeah and he's playing great defense I mean the MVP tracker seems kind of wonky like you said like they have Montrezl Harrell nine um, hey he's actually been really he's been good but I mean in the, he, in the playoffs he won't get be, not he will not get an MVP vote you don't think he'll get one MVP vote? It just takes no. one Homer writer to to give Trez an MVP vote, which is always, it's always funny when that happens. But like Paul George currently 20, 26 and a half points a game, 26.7, 8.3 rebounds, 5.4 assists, 2.5 steals, half a block. And he's doing well, it on and also, it, 46, I mean, 36. At this point in time, you would say, I think he's first team all NBA, which is no small thing. And, and the, you know, when you talk about the forwards in the NBA, yeah, it depends on what people think. I think of DeMar DeRozan and we've talked about him a lot. And I, like I said, I, I would, DeMar's got a play. I would expect to kind of not necessarily come like down to earth, but if the bulls don't keep winning, I think then DeMar becomes a guy that 
gets blamed for a lot of flaws that aren't necessarily his fault, but he's become, you know, so much better as a distributor in a, in a lot more open floor offense. But I think the thing with Paul George is we always kind of forget, and we talked about this in the playoffs when Kawhi got hurt, is like we always kind of forget how good he actually is. And we're like, oh, he makes sense as like the perfect second, you know, second fiddle type of guy because he can defend, he can make open shots. And then when he has a couple bad shooting games, you're just like, what's wrong with this guy? But then when you watch him as like the focal point of what a team does, you kind of forget that he's like six nine, can defend everybody in the NBA pretty much, and also has like pretty high level like basketball awareness like he's capable of getting guys shots and I don't know that the Clippers can't really see this and 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 look to the future and be like you know maybe we're a little bit better down the stretch if Paul George has the ball in his hands a bit more and he's not necessarily just a spot-up jump shooter because they've done a good job of kind of putting guys around Kawhi when he comes back that are like you know Reggie Jackson's a good shooter like your guy Luke Kennard's playing well Isaiah Hartenstein, they, they plucked off the scrap heap for nothing, and he's been a really good contributor for them. And so they, they, they've kind of done this thing where they have good shooters, good defenders, and then a number of guys who are also just high-level basketball players that are able to like make passes and make reads. And I think that the Clippers probably aren't a title contender this year unless Kawhi comes yeah. back, and it doesn't feel like he will. But like this is a good team. Like This looks like the Clippers of like you know 2019 with like Doc and – Tobias Harris and Trez and, you know, Boban and all those, like they look like they should win like 45 or so games. And I don't know that people thought that going into the year. And there was some talk, like maybe take the year off, but I don't think they own their own pick. Let me just confirm that because they did that, you know, big trade for Paul George. I'm certain Um, they don't, right? Yeah. They they have outgoing unprotected in the Paul George trade to Oklahoma city. So they really can't get in the Man, line. that's, a, like, that's that actually pretty disaster. that's actually pretty brutal. We never really talked about it at the start of the year, but like Kawhi tears his ACL and you have an unprotected pick going to Oklahoma City. That kind of stinks. I didn't even realize yeah. that. Yeah, and you rarely see unprotected picks anymore, honestly. Like right. people always do just top ass- three protected or whatever. And they just assume they'd be really good, which if Kawhi was healthy, this would certainly be a title contention. This this team would be in yes. title contention. So like that pick doesn't matter, and you're just like, all right, whatever. The 28th pick is not important to us. But man, like if they do fall in hard times and that's like the eighth pick in this particular draft, like you're probably kicking yourself and you're just like, man, we should have lottery protected this for a couple of years. Well, tell me about Kawhi's personality. Let's say the Clippers right now, they're the seventh seed. It's like they're tied for, you know, that big. Yeah, there's six. I mean, they're six and four. So it's not like, yeah. So let's say they finish as like the sixth seed and Kawhi is healthy enough to play. In the playoffs, like, do you question. think he risks that? Because they, if you're like you said, if he's playing and healthy, they would be, you know, a top three team. I don't, I do not know what he would do. I don't know. I also don't know like the scope of his, the scope of his injury, right? So, like, I, I thought we read it was like a partially torn ACL. So I don't know, like, did they do a full? Did they have to do a full reconstruction? Like, what's his rehab look like? My assumption is that we will not see him, but I don't. That that has nothing to do with his personality. It just is that I just don't think. Right. You know, hey, I think yeah, there's a, it's probably smart. Like there's he, a good chance you know. we won't see Jamal Murray, you know, like and, and that has nothing to do with Jamal Murray's personality. It's just that he's coming back from a serious leg injury. And I think well, guys, we, we kind of talked a little bit about this, like Durant's first year he's injured, like the Nets still made the playoffs. Should he come back? Obviously, he didn't. And it worked out for him because he came back at full strength, seemingly. Yeah. Um, and, and, and Paul George is the same way, right? Like terrible knee injury kind of took him two years to come all the way back from that. Cause I think if you remember Zane, there were got, there were people that were like, Oh, maybe Paul George is like never going to be the same. And then he, 
you know, he finally was like, got up to full health and it, it takes a while. So with Kawhi specifically knowing what we know about his past, I'd be really surprised if we saw him play a game this year, but he may be, I, you know, the other thing too, is like his legacy isn't really affected, right? Like he's a hall of famer. He's already considered, I mean, he definitely made the top 75 team, right? Like I, I don't think he feels he needs to come back to win a title. Whereas like for Paul George, I think winning a title would be, you know, incredible for how people view him in the future. I think it would almost make yeah. him a slam dunk Hall of Famer as well. well. He, we we talked texted about it. Like basketball reference lists him as a Hall of Famer, likely. Eighty percent is high, man. There's no way it's a he's eighty percent. I mean, his 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 career is is quite something if you look at it. But I think that's his goal. Like I don't I don't think he's the kind of player that's going to be like on all time lists of the top ten small forwards. Paul, but he could. Paul George, you're saying Paul George. Yeah. And so if he, you know, right now he's made. Um, I mean, two hundred seven All Star teams. I think it, that's like the kind of goal. Like, keep making the All Star team, keep making the All NBA team, and then by the end of it, I'll have like ten of those. And, and that's how he becomes a Hall of Famer, based on what you're saying with Basketball Reference, having him as like eighty percent to make the. Hall yeah, of and I think that's why because he's finished um, only one time. You know, he had that like breakthrough season, kind of you know, voting wise, he's third MVP, first team All NBA. He's had a bunch of third teams prior to that. Yeah, and he's that pretty kind much of been, felt like where he's been in the NBA landscape, yeah. like a top fifteen guy, but not really a top ten guy. And since he's always wanted to go play with somebody else, right? And and again, this is this is kind of where we 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 are at odds on Westbrook. Like he he clearly does make specific types of players better. Like you know, he made Daniel Gafford much better last year for the Wizards, but he clearly was and great. Westbrook does. Yeah, like he was great for Paul George. Like he was fantastic. You know, kind of being that other guy. You know, it doesn't really work so much with like a guy like LeBron, I don't think, but we'll, we'll see. And that's for another day. But I always think you watch Paul George and you're like, man, there's there's more here. And so getting to see him do that, like, would you rather like you you can pick one of these two teams like for, for the future, that, like just for this season? Would you rather be Portland or would you rather be the Clippers based on what we've seen so far? This season. Clippers, Clippers, yeah. Right. I mean, and it, I'm I'm presuming Kawhi comes back at you know 90% strength. Like, do you think? And and I, I mean, I think based on what we've seen, and this is probably a pretty big jump, but like, I think Damian Lillard is injured. I think his ab strain is like still a problem. I don't know if he needs to have surgery, but like, I'd rather have Paul George for the rest of the season than I would Dame, which I I don't think I would have said last year. But I, well, I think and I, I would say the same about you know Jimmy Butler had been an MVP favorite early on. I just that think might Paul be, George, that might be real. I'm not sure. Oh yeah, I just think Paul George is probably he's just more like pliable and like you could fit him on any team. Any he's role. actually one of your like undercover favorite players. I think I, well, like, I just love yeah. you know somebody on Reddit posted that too, where it's like who's like the smoothest player to watch. It's like he just looks like so easy and effortless, and it's just like he's if you were an NBA guy, you would love to be Paul George. Like that skill set, right? It's just yeah, like, you you just always talk about how how pretty his game looks. Well, it's, it does. Even when he's and then you look up and he's like four for fourteen. Oh no, yeah, still. when he's missing shots. And and the other thing too, and this is this is what I've always said to people when they when they talk about NBA players and they talk about like you know oh so and so is really good or so and so could be an NBA player. Like NBA players look very different than normal humans for for the most part. It's probably why Steph Curry is like so much more impressive. But if you watch Paul George and like you're close to the court, he's so big, like he's so yeah. much taller than you realize. And he just it, it's not quite, you know, KD or LeBron because he's not, you know, seven foot or he's not 285 pounds. But it's in that like realm. He He's a very like different looking guy on the basketball court because of how long his arms are. And, well, and, let like, me ask you this because you posed, you know, Clippers versus Portland. Let's say you were in charge of one of these two rosters and, you know, you're the GM and I said you have to win a title. Not this year, okay? Next year. 
is for one of the next three years. Would you rather, do you think the Clippers have a better shot or the Lakers? Mm, That's a good question. I don't know, honestly. Probably the Clippers. It's hard to like really bet on Kawhi's health because like, you know, he's always had some, he's had some nagging injuries in the past. But if you tell me that like, we feel like he's, his medicals are good. Like, I don't know that I'd want to be really any other team. If, if I if I knew for a fact that Kyrie Irving was eventually going to play basketball again, I think I'd rather be the Nets than the Clippers. But other than that, I don't think there's any other team you'd rather be. What about be. Milwaukee? Giannis is still young. Yeah, I mean, Milwaukee's really good. Denver like, has young pieces. Mm, um, I don't know. Again, I'm, I'm really concerned about Jokic. So real quick, sidebar. You saw this, I'm sure, but... Markeith Morris did like a, he did like the Euro foul on Jokic, which was a little bit dirty, like, but definitely a, a pretty standard play. Like it's definitely dirty, but it's not the worst thing. And then Jokic just like totally like cross-checked him as hard as he could and, and actually looked like he hurt Markeith Morris like a good bit. Jokic got suspended for a game. I think Jimmy Butler and Markeith both got fined some undisclosed amount, but obviously as we know, or I, I've told you this before, the Morris twins, you know, they've gotten involved in some stuff off the court before. But we also know that like Jokic's brothers are like Serbian UFC guys. And like, I-, I think there's a chance that we could see something later on in the year between, you know, like Marcus Morris and Jokic that ends up with like Jokic's brother, like running on the court, trying to like murder somebody. And so I, well, I, I that, that makes me the, worried. The notable um, Dondrick, my brother, after that texted me that Jokic is now his favorite player. And it's not I mean, just like, cause his yeah. attitude, you know, he's just like, he's kind of humble, but then like push comes to shove, yeah, I, shove you. you know? Man, he hammered Markeith Morris. Like he yeah, hit him real. so hard, but well, I, we say I, that all the time. Like Eastern Europeans are, are different than Western. Yeah, Europeans. You like, don't want to badass. You don't want to mess with, yeah. You don't want to mess with, with those types of guys. And again, like the Morris twins, Definitely low on the list of people I think you want to mess with. I, I, I know some of the people that they've, you know, associated with in North Philly. And it's, you know, they've had, they, they allegedly beat up or had somebody beat up like a former financial advisor. So like, you know, there's some stuff there with the Morris twins. But the Jokic brothers, those guys look like they're just ready to go at all times. And I think it's really, it's, it's a, it's good a shame that they're in different conferences. Cause it would be fun to watch them like slug. Well, no, out. but that's the thing though. Like you're going to see like the next time I, I wonder when Denver plays the Clippers because oh, I, I cause like, Oh, it's not for a while. They don't, they don't play the Clippers for like a good while. Damn, that stinks. Cause like if they played the Clippers in like a week, that'd be must see TV. Cause you know, Mark Marcus Morris is going to do something. Which is great, uh, you know. Which is great. It's funny you say that because it's like, same with hockey, where it's like, you know, you got to legislate out the physical violence, and, and but fans love it, right? I mean, don't you love watching a brawl? <laughs> I don't know. I, I wonder, correct me if I'm wrong for a second here, but did, yeah, they don't play the Nuggets until the day after Christmas. Uh, was that the same night that Carl Towns hit like the crazy bank shot to go into overtime? I think it was, right? It was. It was Monday night, right? I forgot, but I, I know that it's the play you're referring. I to would, it. I would bet if it was the same night that the clips of Jokic hitting Markeith Morris got much more like exposure and social media exposure than Carl Towns hitting yeah, a saw great shot. Yeah, um, on like the twitters and such. Um, yeah, because I mean, as much as you know, basketball fans claim to love basketball. People, a they, lot they, of people, just like the they, drama. They like the drama. The other thing I will say with Denver, by the way, when you we talk about them with young players, like one. Who knows if Jokic is going to like eventually be out of the league because like some Morris twin comes up with like no fingerprints, but no Jamal Murray. We don't know how he's going to recover. It sounds like it's not going great. And then, you know, Michael Porter Jr. has a back injury. Like, 
early in the That's season after news, signing yes. a big contract. And and again, I, I don't want to say that. And he I, had I, what? I, Didn't he have back surgery in college? He had two, and, yeah, he had two yeah. back injuries, you know, prior to the draft, one in college, one prior to the draft. And, and so, like, I don't want to, like, talk out of turn. I don't know what the injury is, but it doesn't sound like they really know yet either. And he's out for kind of, like, an undetermined amount of time. He could be back in a week. He could be back longer than that. So, like, I don't want to be a Nuggets fan right now, even though you get to watch Jokic every night, which is which is pretty fun. I, I would rather yeah, be talk about like a nightmare start to the season for Porter, like shooting 21 percent from three, just not hitting anything, not doing much, not getting to the line. And then he gets hurt. Maybe it's, they're related, but it's, it's really something. And this is a good segue, I think, into the Hawks. But it's, it's really something with with young teams where you just assume that they're going to be good for a really long time. Right. But you have to get lucky for sure and just get it all right to like hopefully win one time and what your window is in denver i'm not writing denver off like they've got one of the best players in the league but they it it looks like denver is facing like tons and tons of obstacles to to be even able to like get everyone to gel to start their window really because well that that's why michael porter actually was one of the favorites to win most improved even though he improved a lot last year it's like we thought he was you know paul george level where it's like I'm average. I'm an average twenty in coast, and if you need me to, I'll average twenty five. You know, yeah, like it can't. felt like Porter could have done that, but he did the opposite in the early part of the season. Yeah, and again, if he's got, you know, if, if we've got a lingering injury here, like that stinks. First of all, like congratulations to him for getting his money prior to that happening. I'm always, yeah. I, I like when that happens for players, but like, I mean, if that's just a problem to start the season, then it's no wonder that he started slowly. Now we don't know that, of course. That's the other thing. Like this kind of came out of nowhere, where he just left the game after like missing a layup, and then. We just heard he was out and there's no real. Well, and then really- it also scares me like, because he, he, when he's bad, he like, it looks stiff. Like he looks like he has hard time changing. He does. Direction. He does look like that. He's like very upright for sure. Yeah. And then also, you know, his re- reference of he's getting to the line prior to this 1.0 times a game. So it's like, does that make him less physical? Cause he's worried about his health. Like, it's hard to be a great basketball player and score if you're not getting to the line yeah, five I, times a game. I wouldn't say rip up your Bovada tickets for him for most improved player, but I think it's very, very, very unlikely that at this point he... Right. He'd have to average like 30 the rest of the way. And he and could he would, do it. Based yeah. on what a good shooter he is, he could do it. But again, it, it, he's only really being listed as like day-to-day, but we have no information about it. So that part, that part's tough. But I, I say that just because like with the Hawks, I think a lot of people assumed, and, and us as well, rightly so, assumed that their kind of trek to the conference finals last year was, you know, not necessarily them announcing themselves as title contenders, but announcing themselves as one of the better teams in the East. And they are really struggling to start the year. The the foul situation, just like it's hurting James Harden is is hurting Trey Young a good bit, but they also, again, from an offensive standpoint, you know, maybe they're a better fit for the playoffs than they are for the regular season because they, they they kind of just shoot a ton of mid-range jumpers now. And, but the Hawks have just been, not great. Like I, I said two weeks ago that I thought the Hawks were pretty good. And then I've started to watch them. And I just, I, I think the road to improvement is there if they play differently, but I mean, the Hawks have just really struggled the last two weeks in, and, and they don't look like a team that's going to be a factor in the East to me. And, and yeah. that's, I think it's, I, I think hopefully they'll turn it around, but it's, it's mm-hmm. really quite odd. Cause like you said, this, this is the start of, you know, you've got Trey young and, and he's, entering his prime and you've got another a bunch of other like good depth pieces and something just isn't right yeah and you know what's scary about it like there's certain trends that you kind of be like okay this is this will even out this will regress you know if you talk about like three-point shooting and stuff like that or in the nfl you know fumble recoveries they talk about all the time or you know opponents kickers missing kicks or making kicks 
but there's certain trends that I'm like, this feels more real. And one of them, as you mentioned, is like just like the shot distribution, just shooting a ton of twos. And then just defensively, like why why are they so bad defensively? I understand yeah. that like Trey is never gonna be a good defender and it's it's not really his fault. But like, isn't this what Nate McMillan does? Like they, they were pretty good defensively last year. Well, and this is why Lloyd Pierce got fired. They were 27th in defense, 27th in defense, and then he, he they were tw- they got fired the next year. And now they're back to 27th again. So it doesn't that's what makes me think like this is not like a fluke. Like maybe this is just who they are defensively. Yeah, I don't and know. Last year's hot stretch was a fluke. Yeah, maybe. I mean, maybe it was, you know, and, and honestly, we know they got lucky in the playoffs. They, they they probably don't beat the Sixers with Danny Green healthy, which is crazy to say. Also, 100% in B, they probably don't beat the Sixers. But like, you know, you would expect with, I mean, the only guy that they're really missing for like a ton of time is a Kongwu, and he is a good defender and should be a good NBA defender. But it's not like, you know, DeAndre Hunter's back, like, they're getting good contributions off the bench from Cam Reddish as an offensive player. So this does seem very odd in terms of like defensively. This, this team should be average defensively, in my opinion, Sam. Yeah. Well, and like all their starters are negative defensive rating just because they're, you know, playing together, obviously. And then um, and then I wonder if they want, you know, I thought they'd get more from DeLon Wright, you know, as sort of like big guard defender, can play with Trey Young, but he's just not playing much, not playing well. So that's kind of out the window. And then you surrounding Trey with, you know, a bunch of mediocre wings, you know, defensively. Well, but why are they playing differently now than they were when they funneled everything to like Clint Capella? Like that's why you have Clint Capella, right? Because he's an unbelievable role man. So he's really good offensively at like sucking the defensive in, the, the sucking the defensive end, defense in. And then on defense, like he really rebounds, but he also contests a lot of shots. And he was very good at that last year. Sort sort of, you know, in the Rudy Gobert mold, not not quite that good, of course, but so why well, I, is this I do team- I do think there's some you know like Trey Young embraced being the villain last year in the Garden and and that was kind of fun to hate on him. It was fun. It was definitely fun. But it seems like man, this real change has hit him hard. I mean, going from nine free throw attempts the last couple of years down to five point three, like, and that might not seem like a big deal, but hey, that's no, three is. extra points. It's, it's, game, a, big, you it's know? a big deal. Yeah, I mean, his he's scoring twenty four points a game, and I think he was you know twenty seven, twenty eight last year. And and I mean, it is a big deal. Don't get me wrong because, you know, Trey is not as good of a shooter as like a guy like James Harden is like Harden takes really tough shots, but Trey Young is not, you know, he takes a bunch of those like 30 footers and they've not been great shots for him in the past. And so I think he needs to be able to get defenders at least off of him to be able to take good shots. And and I think like it does affect him a good bit. And I think it affects him as a passer 53%. True shooting percentage below league average for a guy who's supposed to be your, you know, super efficient. Star. That's real. That's, that's pretty bad. I didn't realize it was that low. Yeah. Cause he's not shooting three as well. As you mentioned, his two point percentage is really low and he's shooting a lot of twos. He's shooting 14 twos a game. Yeah. That's a lot. I mean, if it's, flo- you know, if it's floaters, that's one thing. And like, right. that's, you know, cause he's really, really good at that. But I mean, the, the, the biggest issue, like offensively speaking, like they definitely can get back up to the levels that they, they were at. Right. They, they have, you know, one of the best offensive players in the league, and they have a bunch of great pieces around him, right? Like Kevin Herter's really good. Bogdanovich is a great piece. John Collins is really good. DeAndre Hunter is good. And like I said, Cam Reddish just had a really good start to the year. So there's no reason to expect that they can't eventually get back to that. But I, but I think it has a lot to do with Nate McMillan. Like, and look, like, we don't want to be like a box store scores uh, analyst here. 
because you know who knows i haven't watched a ton of hawks games to see like how much like a scheme or whatever but this is like a standard nate mcmillan thing though right like, like this is ben is, well, yeah let, let me give you an example so uh Trey Young is shooting more than twice as many twos as threes. Okay. And that can work for some people like Durant, Steph Curry and golden state shooting twice as many threes as twos. So wow. Is I, he really? That's not, yeah. that's so not like, cool. I think there's a right way to play and a wrong way to play. And, and obviously he's not Steph Curry as a three point shooter, but still it's a, it's a more efficient <laughs> shot. Yeah. I am very surprised to see the Hawks playing this way. And I think it's going to lead them to be, you know, I think like Lou Williams looks like he's like totally finished, which, which is not a good thing. You know, and I, I think that's a guy that you can't really play if you have your defensive issues, but, but I also wait, like, like you said, yeah, not to interrupt you. Sorry, but I just curious. Cause like talk about like sort of disaster, the East is stronger than ever. Would one of these teams miss the playoffs? Unthinkable Boston's four and six, Indiana four and seven, Atlanta four and eight. Which of those teams do you think is like actually at risk of missing the playoffs? Let's just say Boston or Atlanta, because Indiana, I guess. Is yeah, there. Indiana. I don't think it would be super surprising. I don't know. Probably Atlanta. Like, I, I don't. I don't think they will. But like, going four and eight and like really struggling, and and, and even admitting like, hey, we kind of are, are you know struggling to find like motivation to play. Like, at least you know Boston has a bunch of new pieces to integrate. But this is like pretty much the same team for Atlanta, like almost down to a T. But like, you got Gallinari's another year older. And, and I think that, you know, Lou Williams is another year older. I, I don't know. Maybe their depth is just not as good as we thought it was. And that, that, that could be. Or is it redundant where it's just like, do we need Galinar? Do we need Herter and this, Bogdanovich? This is the type of team, though, that if they wanted to make a big move, they could do it because of like, they have good players on reasonable contracts that you could probably, like, mm-hmm. I don't, I don't think they could get Brad Beal, but you know, if you, if you tossed up like Herter and something else, like, I, I don't or know. Like, Hey, like, you know, like Herter, usually... Herter, DeAndre Hunter, and like a draft pick like that, that might get sure. something and, done. Well, and it's also like, you know, depth is supposed to get you through the regular season and it's great to have. But if you're at full strength, they had some injuries last year that maybe helped them clear out the deck a little bit. This year, you know, look, Cam Reddish is playing well for him, 23 minutes a game only. Kevin Herter signed an extension playing 22 minutes a game. Gallinari has a big contract, 17 minutes a game. They definitely need to figure that out. Uh, That's a great point. Because like at some point there is some sort of diminishing returns by not you know, if you're just playing all these guys around 20 minutes a game, like you need to yeah. figure it out. I or just like upgrade, like in fantasy football, we just did a trade where you do a two for one, you know? Yeah. Like, you got Patrick Mahomes. So you downgraded. So, <laughs> and we just got Keenan Allen, by the way. Oh, that's good. If it's, P- if it's PPR, that's good. All right. So let's do one last thing. Cause I know we're, we're running out of time here. We won't talk about the Hornets. We'll save them. But so odds on favorite to be the number one pick in the 2022 draft, I believe on Bobata is Chet Holmgren. He debuted last night against Dixie state. Not really that, incredible of a team to debut against but i, I you know 14 i didn't know they up. were a school did you know they yeah, were i did know they were a school but 14 points i think you had nine rebounds seven blocks uh but i do want to talk about because you did watch these guys last night so you watched a, a good bit of like well, yeah because a lot of our classics. fans a lot of our podcast fans are in houston in new orleans in detroit and they like they have one win and they're like Maybe it's time to start watching college basketball. And so, see. yeah. So you saw Duke and Kentucky last night, right? And Michigan State and Kansas. Yeah. And I want to talk about the two guys because they both played. They're both like, you know, one and two, depending on where you view them. Maybe this kid, Jaden Hardy in the G League. But like they're the, these two are the bit, favorites. He's a little bit further down. Yeah. I, I would say Jalen Duran is probably the third guy right now from Memphis. From and Memphis. He, he played well last night. Imani Bates played well too, but he's not, not eligible this coming year anyway. So 
Oh. Well, and also I had seen Chet Holmgren. So if you don't know Chet Holmgren, he's like seven feet tall, 195 yeah, pounds. Yeah, you love you love Chet Holmgren. No, but I mean, I know what he is. Like he can handle the ball a little bit, sit, you know, shoot threes, and then he's going to be really good at blocking shots just because he's so freaking long. He is very long. That is, but that I is think true. you agree that he's not, you know, Kareem as a scorer. Or I mean, I don't like think not, either. I don't really think either one of like pa- Paolo Benchero, who plays for Duke and was very very good on Tuesday night. I think is probably NBA scouts probably have him one, one right now. I, I don't know. It's probably mixed because Chet does have like a little bit of the whole, like, you know, unicorn kind of thought to him, but I, there, there's some flaws with both guys for sure. I'm not sure that either one of these guys would have been a, a typical, like number one pick. Like I think if they were in each of the last two drafts, like I think Anthony Edwards would have gone first over both of them, probably LaMelo too, if you, if we're really talking about that, but one well, also like Ben, Caro, or they called him uh, last night, was I was interested to see because you know he's he's a thick guy, and I thought okay maybe he'll be Julius Randall or something, but he's not. He's, he's more very like, smooth. Yeah, he and he was handling the ball and passing well and hitting a lot of mid range, kind of going one on one and hitting mid range shots, kind of like Carmelo almost at times. I don't know if he's that good of a shooter, but definitely he, he, I don't think so honestly. But he does look a lot more like young Melo than you than you'd expect. Like for people that remember watching Melo at Syracuse. He's not as explosive, but he does look a lot like that. I, yeah. I kind and, of agree with you. And then the thing that kind of scared me a little bit was just defensively. I don't know what his the reputation is, but like he didn't look super long. He didn't look like super quick. So I'm like, is he gonna be a good defender? He's so smooth, Zan. Like he he definitely will he be was fine. like switched onto guards at times, but like he didn't look like he was disruptive at all. Like I mean, and, but he's and not. I, maybe he was smart, like to save himself from fouls. But there was like four or five times where he like didn't jump to contest a shot or help a shot. But he's so long though, right? Like he's six. How is he? How long is he? Cause he didn't look long to me. That's he's like six. Point. I mean, he's six ten. I, I, I just, yeah, guess but I that's mean, not length. That's, that's, uh, I mean, I could look at what his wingspan is, but I, I'm I, looking I, it up right now. He's, they said with a nearly seven foot wingspan, which is yeah. not very long for a six ten. but guy. he's also not a five man though. That that's the other thing. Like, I, I think the, the issue with, with Paolo is like, where do you play him? And so at Duke, they have Mark Williams as well, who's very clearly their five man. He has like a seven ten wingspan, so you'll love him, of course. But we're like, he, hey, like you know, Evan Mobley has been very disruptive. He had a super long wingspan. Yeah, but I mean, Apollo's not a five man though. Like to me, like he's well, you know, there's not a lot Evan of like, Mobley so far at least. Yeah, I mean, I mean Evan Mobley's the best. That guy's awesome. We 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 called that one correctly. I, I don't know. The thing with Paolo that really impresses me is that like he has a really high feel for the game, and I'm not again, I'm not sure. He's definitely not a wing because like his athleticism is just not there. Right. But you had mentioned like, does he look like Jabari Parker? And I think he's not as athletic as Jabari was, but coming off injury at Duke, Jabari played like small ball five and kind of played like a little bit slower than he actually was. And so I wonder if NBA teams one are kind of just like, Hey, defensive guys on the perimeter from Duke, we can kind of throw that out a little bit. Cause I mean, think about how many guys from Duke have had just like terrible defensive reputations over the last like five to 10 years. And it used to be the whole, like, slap the floor we really guard and now it's like you get marvin bagley and he he can't guard anywhere and you have austin rivers yeah yeah so like it's funny because like scouting we've said this before too it's like it's so easy and natural to compare somebody to somebody who looks physically like somebody else yeah and i thought it was interesting that almost every comparison i i saw for paolo was 
guys who are kind of big, light-skinned black guys, I mean, like Carmelo. I saw one guy I thought maybe super Tobias Harris even. And that's okay. That's a good that. one. I, I think he could be that level of a shooter. He's really smooth. Again, he, he he looks like he operates kind of at like a slower pace because of that. But I don't, you know, he, he's 250 pounds. Like he's not, you know, I don't think you want him to play at like 220. But he's very interesting because like with Chet, I, I think he's a five man, right? Like it's just who he is. Like he's, he's close to seven feet tall. You know, he may want to play some different positionings, but maybe, but he's always going to be a stretch big, whatever he does. You're not going to post Chet up, but Bancaro, like you can play him in a lot of different spots. And I, and I, it'll be interesting to see what NBA teams think of him. Like, do they think that he is more of those, that jumbo creator, but in a little bit of a different mold, like, not necessarily like a pick and roll ball handler, but somebody that you can like run a bunch of offense through at the wing because he can get his own shot at six ten. And I think that Kate Cunningham style, maybe even like that's actually that. That, that's actually kind of like what I thought. Is he more of like a jumbo Cade? And he's certainly not as good of a ball handler as Cade, but he is bigger. And so yeah. like it's 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 possible. I don't know. So which one did you like better of of as we <laughs> sign off? Which one if you if you had. You know, credit on Bovada. Who who are you placing your money on? I, I did, this is first. a cop out, but I do think it depends on the team. Like if I had like, because I'm looking yeah. at teams right now, like New Orleans is right now the top spot. Like I see Chet. Yeah, or if you but like if you staying were, out of Zion's way, if you were Detroit, you'd probably take you'd probably take Chet as well because you already have Cade. Yeah, and I think it's just like pairing the right guy. But if you were Houston, Cleveland, if you were Cleveland, who's well, not Houston's interesting pick. too because I think Houston would probably go Banchero, Barcaro, whatever you call him, um, just because he he could. I think they maybe need another scorer. Um, Did you know that he was three feet tall at 15 months of age? I don't even know if that's a lot, but I think that's a lot. I don't know if that's a lot either, to be honest. Also, he is has Italian citizenship. So when he plays for Italy in, in the... Uh, that's in the, a stock like, up right there. Yeah, I yeah, like that. that's good. It's probably... It'll be great when he has his own like cooking show in a couple of years and he's like making pasta. I don't know. He, he's good, man. Like he's just... He, he's good. He, hey, I, you know, Chad is interesting because like I don't know how many guys that are like him, you know, just because he's so skinny. And he, and he really can handle the ball like that's the one thing i think people were worried about before was like oh is he just an end-to-end ball handler but like he has a pretty tight handle you know for a guy who has to dribble it you know i mean he has to bounce the ball so high every time he touches it so like but i mean talk about like i'm sorry like for gonzaga the number one seed number one favorite to win the ncaa title on bovada um to play dixie state in like no, that's what you game. do. That's that's you, you tune it up because they always play. Like I literally thought they were like doing that because they wanted to get him like a quadruple double, and he, and he wasn't <laughs> that far away. He 14, 13, yeah. six assists, seven blocks, and then he had a bunch of turnovers too, right? Seven turnovers. Yeah. yeah. But like, and he played twenty eight minutes, like, and they were up by like thirty. So it's just like what they are we lot, doing? They got a lot. Of, they got a lot of depth. Julian Strother is actually a guy that that's going to play for them a lot more this year, who I think has got a pretty reasonable NBA future and has kind of flown under the radar, but. We will uh, sign off for today. I know you, I believe, have to go to the dentist, so you can give him all your hot takes, at, or her. Could be could be a her, for sure. Uh, but he is Zan underscore Ellison on Twitter and Reddit, getting a lot of engagement on Reddit posts of late. Oh, I, yeah. Did I tell you that one negative one? Yeah, you got a, got a pretty negative DM. We're not going to talk about it, but <laughs> not not a good DM that had nothing to do with the show. You would. That, was, a, it does remind you of how toxic social media is, because I like Reddit, obviously, but... Once in a while, you'll get a comment like calling you like a bunch of racial slurs. And I'm like, whoa, when that when you're, came out of Yeah, nowhere. when you're just a, a, a very average white guy, just yeah. like the two of us are. But uh, you can email the show, XanderGellison at gmail.com. And uh, we will be back next Wednesday. And uh, as always, Zan, it's a pleasure. Take care. 
Thanks for listening to the Underdog Sports NBA Show with your host, Tyler Laurie and Zandrick Ellison. Tune in next week for more NBA storylines and news.